वेलकम बैक टू सीजन थ्री ऑफ द फिटर पॉडकास्ट In last week's episode, we spoke with Jitendra Chokse, aka JC, the founder of Fitter, where he spoke about his concept of what it truly means to be healthy. It's not just about physical fitness, but also mental, emotional, social, and being financially fit. And yet, so many people struggle with this. They don't understand what they need to do and why they can't achieve their goals. and that's exactly what we're going to talk about in this episode of the fitter podcast one of the reasons a lot of people can't get fit is because we tend to blame something that is external to us our diets are not right our environment isn't supportive people don't believe in us we always have some excuse that we come up with and we always have a scapegoat whom we can blame for a lack of help i think the problem is the fact that we tend to see life in black and white people things diets are either for us or against us either this is going to work or that is going to pull you down and it's this kind of black and white thinking that might just be holding you back let's talk to jc and figure out how you can change your mindset and adopt a healthier mindset to achieve your goals in life jc welcome back to your own podcast yeah i have to stop saying that <laughs> yeah <laughs> our podcast our podcast yes so like i was saying you know uh, you spoke about this last time also health is not just physical but also mental emotional social financial right what is preventing people from achieving this we took a look at that also you said we need to create systems we need to have those systems in place that are going to help people yeah, yeah. but one of the biggest hurdles i would say is this black and white thinking that i was just talking about how ironical exactly <laughs> black and white yes so what is it in your opinion why do people have this kind of a mindset and how can they get out of it i think it's primarily just lack of education historically if something hasn't worked for people instead of trying to better it they have completely rejected the notion and what happens is when something doesn't work it's actually working somewhere there there's some elements of it which are still useful the minute you discard that thing in its entirety move on to something else you basically reject the good parts along with the bad parts and then over a period of time what happens is something else that you tried working on and it didn't work out you then suddenly come back to this thing and you're like oh maybe this thing wasn't, wasn't so, so bad, bad. <laughs> right so what's happening is you are constantly going from one perfect thing to another perfect thing to another perfect thing which doesn't exist everything has their benefits everything has their pros everything has their cons and the idea should be to take the good out of everything mm. ignore the bad parts but don't completely discard everything that's there right because there's no such thing as a perfect diet a perfect routine a perfect human being mm. a perfect life there's no such thing so getting accustomed to the idea that everything that we want perfect simply can never be perfect and yeah, so one of the things is this yeah talking about the perfect diet you know i think going back to the 50s or 60s there's been there've been these Cycle. cycles of you know good food versus bad food that's yeah. been coming at us in the 50s and 60s we were told oh my god fats are terrible yeah. start eating more carbs yes. the 70s or 80s suddenly carbs became the villain yeah. everybody's doing keto yeah. so like you said everyone is searching for that one perfect thing that is going to help them yeah. 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 how is that damaging to people tell us tell us that so the reason why we go from one thing to another is primarily because we believe that everything is black or white it's it has to be either this or that really doesn't work that way you know there's like millions of colors the spectrum is 
way too wide mm. and you realize that black and white is actually the same color mm. you know it's just the presence and absence of light which gives the black color its color mm. you know so what people need to understand is that this is a very wide spectrum and just labeling something as good and bad does more harm to you than benefits right so first of all get rid of the notion that something is healthy or unhealthy we have established this before and i think the world scientists you know they have they have hinted at this thing over and over again that it's really the doses that makes the poison right which means that even the healthiest of the foods on the planet will become unhealthy when the quantity exceeds your adi in a similar manner even the worst kinds of foods on planet which people deem as unfit mm. might just be beneficial in smaller quantities or micro quantities mm. for example how do you make a medicine for snake venom using snake venom using snake venom how do you make vaccines by using viruses right so you realize that a poison and elixir are not really two different things it's the dose that makes elixir the poison mm. and the dose that makes the poison same poison and elixir for somebody right so people need to get rid of the notion that something is good something is bad it's just they need to get more used to of the notion that maybe it's a quantity that's making them good or bad can you maybe very quickly tell our viewers about this whole carb versus fat battle that's been raging for such a long time how did it all start and what is reality what is fact right so historically the fats used to come from you know nuts seeds then around the 19th century we started using lard margarine um you know we started using butter some sort of ghee i mean in india a ghee was used probably centuries before then yeah. it came in the rest of the world but the rest of the world got accustomed to the idea of added fats in food probably around 18th 19th century right i'm talking about rest of the world not india and then this whole new way of cooking food feeding soldiers during the world war 1 world war 2 it kind of gave people or gave industries a way to feed the soldiers and minimal viable costs right so mm. they used to feed them lard margarine and uh, you know like very poorly processed butter and right. then suddenly somehow it made it into the mainstream food because they were good for frying they had very high smoking point mm. right and then it made it to industrial processing and then now we have plethora of food that we use and it's fried food and fried food tastes amazing right oh, yeah. so back in the 1960s ansel keys and the seven countries study which is which is quite infamous mm. for the findings they so ansel keys was a was a was a noted um a physicist at the time he and along with other scientists they were kind of observing what's leading into so many cardiovascular incidents amongst people and they did this experiment and they figured that maybe it has to do with higher intake of fat which is increasing probably the blood cholesterol and hdl and ldl levels in the body okay. right mm. so they recruited people took the government funding did a study on 21 countries out of it they published data for seven countries and that's why it's called the infamous seven countries study because uh, the data was they conducted for all the 21 countries didn't so really it make it selective cherry picking it was selective cherry picking mm -hmm. and they pointed out that hey it's the fat which is increasing the cholesterol in population group and so we have to avoid eating so much of fats right that suddenly triggered the whole low fat movement then the low fat it, became high carb Yeah, low fat became high carb. Everybody is like, "Oh, carbs are good for you." Mm. Then I think in 1978 or maybe around the same time, people found out that high carbohydrate diets were also not helping, and it was causing a lot of insulin 
right resistance. because obesity had just kept yeah, on increasing yeah obesity just kept increasing right so people are like oh this is not working maybe that is the problem oh that's not working maybe this is the problem right so we keep going back from one thing to another hoping that this is perfect that is bad and then people love being See, for or against yeah, for or against yeah okay. for or against there's no there's no balance like they either love black they either love white they they see this entire thing into just two things not even three things they're like two you know i'm pro carb i'm pro fat mm. that's it <laughs> there's no in between there's no balance right so i think it it was around then they proposed the carbohydrate insulin model of obesity and they said hey it's probably the high intake of carbohydrates and which is feeding the obesity pandemic and then everybody started kind of recognizing that and that by the time ketogenic diet also made it away into the system it was already claimed to cure some sort of epilepsy and other diseases in children that. yeah and and they noticed that when the children were fed this diet and some adults with epilepsy were given this diet even some diabetics they started losing tremendous amount of weight and that's when people instead of like using that for the designated purpose of treating epilepsy um they started using it as a medium of losing weight and in reality it was a lot of water weight and just glycogen depletion so mm. in a week's time people were experiencing weight loss of up to 3 and 4 kgs without realizing hey this is this is just your uh, fat you know, isn't decreasing your fat isn't yeah. decreasing because let's be honest you know on an average day you have to be like in a deficit of maybe 1000 or 2000 calories to lose you know even 100 200 grams of fat that's that's how your body works and so if you're losing any more than that that's largely coming from your depleted glycogen stores and glycogen stores 3 to 4 times as much water so so people are losing some amount of fat mm-hmm. and lots of glycogen and lots of water which they misconceived as total weight loss fat loss and so they started talking about how amazing this diet is and then you know it's been going on 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 since then so it's always and cuz these days now okay keto is very passe now it's yeah. carnivore diet and lion yeah. diet yes. and gonos whatels every yes. week it seems as if there is a new diet There's coming a new out diet that mm. promises everything mm. that promises the moon and most of the times the diets the strategies come with some sort of like subscribe here a weekly newsletter yeah. mm. or you know you can get fit for as low as join this dollar. community exactly. and you know share your stories yeah, yeah. can you tell us the actual thing that works you mentioned calories and i know that you've been saying for a long time that it's no a calorie deficit that you need to be in if you want to lose fat so but is that diet specific can you follow any diet and be in a calorie deficit or do you need to follow a particular diet is there such a thing called a perfect diet right so first of all i have to explain something basic okay there's numbers right there's alphabets and these form the most basic fundamental structures for you if you wish to learn let's say english or algebra or mathematics right correct so these are fundamental things you can't mess around with these things you can't come up and say hey this is my version of alphabets or this is my version of numericals you know i'm not going to count from 1 till 10 mm. i'll probably count 1 2 4 5 8 9 10 you can't do that because there's a bunch of scientists and people for the sake of humanity have established this numerical system okay as long as we are living on this planet we are going to follow the numeric system and it has withstood the test of time right so it's not an observational data it's empirical data it has lasted centuries and centuries of you know like human trials right and that's how we have come to the conclusion hey i'm going to count from 1 till 10 okay or i'm going to read a b c d e f g all the way till z mm. right in a similar manner calorie counting is not really uh, a fad or really some sort of like a thing which i have developed or somebody developed it's really it's a mathematical concept which works on the universal principles of equilibrium it works on the mathematical principles of thermodynamics right and thermodynamics says 
that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It can merely transfer from one form to another. Right? The food that we eat is a form of energy. We know that. Right. Right. right? The energy when we eat, we consume, where does it go? Either you know you use it, you do your daily chores, next morning you poop it out. The remaining of that, it gets stored in your body. So form of energy, the food getting converted into fat, another form of energy, right? So using the same kind of principles, we then realize, hey, if I were to create an energy system, and, and then if there were some sort of an energy deficit, much like in a car or any kind of machine, if, if my body serves as a reservoir, can there be a situation where I create some sort of energy deficit and my body taps into its existing reservoirs, means mm. existing mm. fat stores, right? So when this state is called a state of calorie deficit, which means that, hey, if my body has a requirement for a certain amount of calories on a regular basis, let's say 1,800, 2,000 calories, if I were to consume, let's say 1,500 or 1,400 calories, would my body mandate my you know, fat stores to kind of start getting utilized? It would, right? That's how your body so works. So instead of, uh, you eat a little less, and so your body then starts deriving its energy from the stored, stored fat. fat. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what they are there for in first place. Right. You it's know, kind of like, you know, your body's saving something for a yeah, rainy day. Exactly. Exactly. You're not going to get food. Okay, let's use yeah, the fat. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Is it really as simple as that? It is as simple as that. But then then why have people complicated it so much? Yeah, because it requires sticking to the one thing. And what happens is that people don't understand the concept that your body is not made out of cast iron or wood. It's made up of living organisms. These mm. living organisms or cells are capable of adapting, you know. So there are certain nuances. For example, let's say if you were to consume a 500-600 calorie diet, which is like a really hypocalorie diet and crash diet, mm. and technically you'd be in deficit, then why aren't you losing a lot of weight? Or why can't you continuously lose weight? What happens is that when we talk about your body's energy demands, they are not fixed. They vary. They vary depending on your age, weight, height, body, gender, etc. And a lot of it also comes from the amount of activity that you perform, which is the non-exercise energy thermogenesis. You consume less amount of calories, mm. your brain starts burning less calories. Your organs start burning less calories. Because they want to hold on to they move energy. They you, don't know you when you're going to physically. eat less. You move less physically, right? So your body instantly goes into survival mode. Okay. And as a result of which, let's say your maintenance calories were this, you start consuming super low calories. After a while, all of your organs will start consuming less amount of calories because the energy efficiency goes up, right? Your mm -hmm. body can do some amount of work or suboptimal work with less amount of calories. And the body is going to do that because it would seem like it needs to protect you against an imminent death, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. that's why your maintenance calories go down. And because of which, people simply can't lose weight. And so what we have learned over the years with our experience is that do not go on these hypocaloric diets. You know, you when have you to create... When hypocaloric, it means very low calorie diets. Very low calorie yeah. diets, right? So stay at calories where the body does not recognize some sort of an imminent threat, you know, where the calorie deficit that you're in, it feels like a natural day-to-day uh, -day protocol rather than a life-threatening situation. The more... So your body doesn't starve. You don't want to starve yourself. You don't want to starve your body. Mm. You know, you don't want to get into a situation where your body says, you know what, I don't have sufficient amount for up. this activity. <laughs> yeah. And there's no food coming, I may There's as well. no food coming, yeah. yeah. You don't want your body to think that. Because like I said, your body is not made up of cast iron or wood. It's made up of living organisms, cells. And they are capable of adapting.
So how much, let's say I want to lose weight, where do I start calculating my calories and how do I know, okay, this is how many calories I should eat and it's safe for me to eat these calories and still lose weight. How do I make that judgment? Well, I mean, there's multiple ways. The simplest one is just calculating your maintenance calories online. Mm -hmm. And you can do this by either using an online calculator. Your watches also calculate your uh, TDE these days. Apart from this, you can also kind of, you know, weigh yourself on a regular basis on a weighing scale, notice the fluctuations. And that can also help you understand what's your maintenance calories. So there's different ways. Once you have calculated your maintenance calories, you know, you can choose to drop down between 200 to 500 calories below. And when you drop, let's say, 500 calories below your maintenance, in approximately 18 days, you'll be in a deficit of 9,000 calories, which would be like one kilogram of fat, right? right. So this is, in theory, of course, uh, the calculations go here and there because human body is not exactly a closed system. But large and large, this is how mathematics work out in case of calorie deficit and how many calories you need to reduce. But of course, that's not the only thing you can do. You can always increase your activity Absolutely. levels. And, you know, burn more yes. calories that yes. way. Sure. One way is to exercise more, which I kind of advise against because exercise also comes with a lot of stress mm. and it takes a while for your body to recognize and adapt to high levels of stress, right? So I would say if your primary goal is just to lose weight, exercising more is not really the key. You should exercise for 45 minutes to an hour and that's about it. The other thing that you can do is mm. just be active throughout the day. What I mean is that when you exercise, your cortisol levels go up and your cortisol tends to make you hungry. Cortisol also tends to make you retain water. It also messes up with your system. If it's chronically It elevated, disturbs your sleep as well. It disturbs your yeah. sleep as well. On the other hand, when you walk, your cortisol levels never really reach, you know, enough levels to disturb you. Uh, they do not reach adequate levels to kind of cause you hunger pangs or mess with your sleep. So I'd say work out for one hour, especially in the beginning. And if your primary goal is just weight loss, that's it. One and hour every single day or maybe three days a week, four days well, a week? Well, WHO does judge? recommend working out for at least 45 minutes, five days to six days in a week. I would say go ahead and do it for seven days mm. if you can. But, you know, up to, up to individuals. Like, it depends from one individual to another. Like, if you're severely overweight, maybe just getting out of your weight, getting out of your bed might feel like an exercise. Right, so it's what's comfortable for you in the beginning and then keep going up from there. So to sum up, number one, find your maintenance calories. Two, create, create a deficit. deficit. So you eat a little less. Yeah. You yeah. also walk more. You increase your activity levels. And at the same time, you work out for at least 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Start off with maybe three to four days a week, but you can even... You, you know, can start with as more. low as, let's say, 15 minutes per day. Mm. You know, just, just work out for 15 minutes if you can't do workout for 45 minutes. I actually saw one of the workouts you've designed for somebody. Yeah. It was a very quick 15 minute, I think it was like spot jogging and then jumping yeah. and followed yeah. by push-ups yeah. and yeah. squats. So even something like this done yeah. for 15 yeah. minutes a day, that is a good idea? Yes, it's a, it's a high intensity protocol. Mm. It gives you the right amount of exercise in a very minimal amount of time. You have to understand that this program is only suited for people who have no cardiac history or probably younger folks who have like a slightly stronger heart and they can take the strain. I typically would not recommend HIIT to people who are overweight or have some sort of cardiac history, at least not unmonitored, mm. you know, but, but there are ways like, uh, like this HIIT protocol, there are ways in which you can maximize the efficiency of your workouts in the least amount of time. So it's not just a matter of like, oh, you have to go to the gym every single day, you have to lift or, you know, do whatever for, you know, one hour, two hour. No, it can be as little as 10 minutes every day. You can, you can just squat, do push-ups, climb a flight of stairs. Mm. That's a good start. Keep yourself active. That's the most important thing. 
So let's say that we have two options. Either you eat less or you increase your activity Even levels. Yeah. What would you prefer? What would you rather do? What would you advise people to do? What is a better approach? I generally eat less. I don't move okay. more. <laughs> there are some people who like eating more. Hmm. In that case, you know, you can. That's eat the more. rest of us. Yeah. In that yeah. case, you can eat more, and but you also have to move more than I do. So it really boils down to what's your personal preference. For example, Rohit, mm. um, he doesn't have a high metabolism. You know, I do not have a slower metabolism. It's just that my daily step count is probably below ten thousand, uh, and by the time I reach office, he's already done twenty thousand steps. Mm. Right. So, and he doesn't count his calories as precisely as I do. I'm always around eighty, nineteen hundred calories. But you need to calculate your calories precisely because you don't have a high activity level. Not really. It's also primarily because I stay at a certain body fat percentage throughout the year. That's also so. It also depends on the goal that you have. And it's also like I'm very disciplined. Like Rohit is not as disciplined as I am, as everybody knows by now. Rohit's going to love this episode. <laughs> so normal people, you decide how you want to achieve that uh, calorie deficit. Yeah. yeah. If you know that you can't you know i mean if you love food you're not going to cut your calories too much yeah. it won't be sustainable yeah. like i know i will i need i like food yeah, yeah right yeah. so maybe therefore in that case i can own how much of a calorie deficit 200 300 calories is fine but then i need to maybe fine, increase my activity yeah level. you have to increase your activity levels you have to walk more you can't exercise more so the only thing is you okay. can increase your activity levels you if you exercise more you're going to feel more hungry so it's Absolutely. a vicious cycle correct, correct you can't go ahead and do like cardio and you're going to hate hours. your diet and going to hate yes, your life exactly. and you're going to do yeah. it now coming back to one point we made earlier about how the dose makes the poison i want to you know come back to this very recent uh, announcement that the world health organization had made about aspartame okay. aspartame causes yeah. cancer yeah. and at that time i remember you had made a post about yeah. this that maybe they are not they haven't got it right this time yeah. that it's about understanding the study looking at the dosage so could you just tell our viewers about that so who never really mentioned that artificial sweeteners are bad for you they said don't use artificial sweeteners or nns non nutritive sweeteners as a mean to lose weight okay so there's a very big difference in what the who said and what the whole world inferred from it mm. they never said don't use artificial sweeteners or they're bad now about them listing artificial sweeteners as a as a carcinogen because there's been a lot of pressure there's a lot of uh, you know awareness around the whole thing and people have been raising their voices they've classified them as a class 2b carcinogen now people need to understand that there's different classes of carcinogens mm. okay pretty much everything right from you know sipping a cup of coffee to using your mobile phones to you know absorbing artificial light can cause cancer you know even sunlight can cause cancer yeah, yeah. right so everything can be classified on a scale of let's say highly severe to very low severity mm. class 2b is very low severity which means that you know you you're talking about carcinogens in the category of mobile phone pickles aloe vera that you apply on your skin and that's basically a class 2b so aspartame is classified as a potential carcinogen in class 2b which is the least possible risk so okay you're saying that don't use it or the who is saying don't use it as a means to lose weight yeah because But if you want to use it in your coffee or tea every day is that no. fine? so what has happened is over a period of time artificial sweeteners have started touted them as a remedy to weight loss which mm. is not true see mm. who's problem is not with artificial sweeteners the problem is the whole world making sugar 
and evil mm. when it's really not. See, we have always told the world that sugar is not bad. You can have sugar mindfully in your diet. If you quantify sugar, right. one gram of sugar just provides four calories. Now, the same as rice, the, the exactly, same as potatoes. When some of the companies are coming out and they are saying, hey, sugar is bad, sugar mm. is bad mm. for you. Now, WHO, in all fairness, with this is saying you can lose weight with sugar too. So Correct. don't use artificial sweeteners as a way to lose weight. Sure, you want to cut down on some calories, mm. go ahead, do that. Mm. But don't think that just by using artificial sweeteners instead of sugar, you're going to lose weight. That doesn't happen. In fact, in the in, in some of the studies that they compared, some people consumed sugar, some people consumed artificial sweeteners. And because both were in calorie deficit, they ended up both losing the same amount of weight. Mm. Right? So it's about that. Their main problem was with the fact that NNS is kind of touting themselves as a remedy to weight loss. It's not. Mm. Mm. You know, it can save you some calories. That's all. But at the end of the day, you still need to go out, create a calorie deficit by being more active, sure. eating a little less and being sure. more mindful of the food being choices mindful. you make. See, I mean, in a way, you can use NNS as a, as a mean to eat more food. For example, if I'm craving, let's say, a diet, a, a drink, a cold mm. drink, mm. you know, I can always go for a diet version of the drink, which, which provides me less than one calorie. Right. Right. As opposed to the same high sugar version of the diet drink, which provides me, let's say, 300, 400 calories. Mm. Right. That can make a huge yeah. difference. Right. So smartly using NNS as a part of your dietary routine can be helpful in creating calorie deficit. Mm. Mm. We started the conversation by saying how you should not look at things in black and white. Yeah. But there still are people who are going to, I think, look at certain diets and say, you know what, I think this diet is the best diet, not that diet. What would you say to these people? Do they need to look at things a different way? Or maybe what happens a few years down the line when they don't see results? Because I think that's what happens. You start a keto diet, for instance. Yeah. I remember I started a keto diet. I thought, okay, this is it. I'm going to have cheese. I'm going to have butter. I'm going to yeah. have ghee. And I'm going to lose weight like that. Didn't happen. Yeah. And I just got totally gave up. And yeah. I haven't been able to find my way back. So do you see this happening a lot? With absolutely, people? absolutely. I think the minute you think something is not right and something else is perfect, this is basically hopping from one thing to another. You do that with careers, you do that with your, your partners, your girlfriends, you do that same thing with exercises, you do the same thing with food. At the end of the day, you're never really in the zone. You're never really happy. You're always hopping. Mm. You know, like you place your source of happiness in the future. You're like, oh, tomorrow I'm going to be happy, you know, or that's going to be my perfect life partner or this is going to do the perfect exercise. That's going to be my perfect diet. Never happens. Mm. You're never going to be happy. And today, tomorrow, someday in the future, you'll figure out that it's not really about having that perfect diet. It's about finding the balance. And that's about it. Stick to the same thing long enough. You'll see results. Mm. If people want to read a little more or understand this a little more, what resources does Fitter have that they can maybe look at and you know? Oh, everything. Learn we something. have so many animated videos. Mm -hmm. We have books. They can read the Get Shredded document, which is available in all sorts of different languages. And really, the animated version of videos on YouTube mm -hmm. are like super helpful. Besides that, I think I've made hundred plus reels Correct. on all the subjects, and they have an elaborate series on all these motion, nutrition, hydration, rest and recovery on my YouTube channel. They can watch that. So it's a lot of material. So nobody today can say that there's not enough material. I'd say if you have time, the information is out there, but then it boils down to execution. Mm. You, know, you have to execute it and that's where your day one start and just have to make it till day 100 to learn and see the results. Yeah, try it out for yourself. See that it works yeah. and you will see that it works. Yes. And then it's a matter of just sticking to yeah. it. 
JC, as always, a great conversation. And I think it's a good place to wrap up this episode by saying that education is the key. Yeah. Making the mindset shift is vital. And then they just stick to it and you will see results. Thanks so much. Thank you.